this is the culmination of everything I've been thinking about. It feels like a luxury that his brilliant thoughts are just served to me on a platter. But whose brilliant thoughts is Avery Truffleman from The Cut raving about? The answer is coming up today on Follow Friday. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Hey. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet. A function should know. Hey. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. So now right away. With no further delay. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, a show about the best people on the internet and why you should follow them. This is our first episode, so thank you so much for giving this show a chance. Every week, I'm going to talk to the internet creators I admire most about who they follow online. Some of them will be other podcasters, others will be writers or comedians or musicians or something else entirely, but they all have amazing taste. They will be our guides to the hidden and not-so-hidden gems of the web, the people they find fascinating who we should be following, too. Today, I'm talking to Avery Truffleman, a former producer for the design podcast 99% Invisible. She's also the creator of an amazing mini-series about the meaning of fashion called Articles of Interest. And since August of last year, Avery has hosted The Cut. Here's a clip from a recent episode of The Cut titled Five Reasons to Get Married on Zoom. Okay, so one of the byproducts of the wedding industrial complex is the myth of the bridezilla. And sure, there's a degree of truth in it. Some brides do get really stressed out trying to plan this one very expensive day-long party for everyone you've ever known that has all these moving parts and is going to be extensively documented and is supposed to be perfect and also is supposed to be fun and breezy, so can you blame them? The sexist cliché of the bridezilla insults women for the burdens that the wedding industry has marketed to them. And a virtual wedding is a way out. You can find The Cut Podcast at thecut.com, and I recommend that you do. It has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts, for real. But we're not really here to talk about Avery's work. We're here to talk about the people she follows online. If you want to follow along with us, everything we talk about today will be linked on our website, followfridaypodcast.com. Avery, welcome to Follow Friday. Thanks for having me. This is such a fun idea. So before we get into your picks, let me just ask, scale of 1 to 10, how online would you say you are? <sighs> and not how online you wish you were, how online are you actually? Um, I'm on Twitter a lot, which I hate how much I'm on Twitter. Um, but it is kind of the only place I go. Like, I'm not on Instagram, I'm not on Facebook, I'm not on TikTok. Like, that's kind of my, I'm like a Twitter I call myself, I'm like a bottom feeder. Like, that's the, actually, no, Redditors are worse. I'm not a Redditor. But I pretty much have this one outlet, and it's Twitter, which is horrible. I'm all like, oh, I wish I could quit you. But it's like my one, it's my, my, my one internet vice, and I go to it over and over and over again. And I low-key kind of love it. Like, Twitter has also brought me a lot, and it keeps me on top of everything. But I would say, honestly... As the rest of my life goes, I'm pretty analog. Like, I listen to the radio radio. I have a radio wow. in my kitchen, and that's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning. I I turn on WNYC while I I was going to say, you're coffee. waking up with Brian Lehrer or whoever is... Uh... Totally. totally. Well, yeah. when Brian Lehrer's on, it's like, okay, you should be at work now. It's 10 o'clock. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I try to catch a, a little bit of Brian Lehrer. But, um, yeah, I'm so I'm weirdly like, how do I put this? I'm not 
as online as I would like to be, but I like to keep up with trends and I like to have, I have a lot of friends who are really online. So I like to talk to my very online friends. about. There you go. So you let them do the hard work of scouring the internet (laughs) for anything that's not on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also the other fun thing about working for New York Magazine is I have these amazing, brilliant colleagues who I've haven't met yet because we haven't been in the office but like the slack is so live like just going on to work slack everyone is talking about the news and what's happening and so that feels like this extra uh source of material like that helps me feel way more online seeing what everyone at the cut is talking about it's final friday so before the show i gave you a list of categories and asked you to tell me four people you follow who fit in those categories your first pick is in the category someone who makes you laugh you picked Lake Micah, who is at Afrofatalism on Twitter. Tell us about Lake. Why does he make you laugh? Oh, my God. I mean, his tweets are so genius, and they're also so self-aware. They're like these meta-tweets, and he's very, like, tweeting. His his, his tweets are, like, content-specific. They are, they are, they are jokes that could not exist in any other medium and it's perfect for bottom feeders like me who live on twitter like his his tweets comment on life on twitter he his tweets are like i don't know twitter culture this all this all means nothing if you're not a complete like twitter freak like i am but, but let if me you're find in the really... twitter cult like you and i are then it's like oh my god this is the funniest thing i've ever read they're so funny and he's so aware and that's the other thing he's like very actively bucking against twitter cliches okay so i feel like he's kind of ahead and reacting to twitter culture let me redo my favorite tweet that he okay. tweeted and when he tweeted this I messaged him and I was like, dude, you should go on book tour for this tweet. It's so good. (laughs) Um, Let me see. Okay. He tweeted on October 29th, one's aim in life should not be to do well, unimaginative, to earn large sums and salaries, vulgar, to pursue the obvious pleasures, assimilationist, but to cultivate mystique, to tread lightly, wear perfumes, and stir up feelings of devotion and enchantment among all you meet. And I feel like that he's like a philosopher that is like funny and also beautiful and way too smart for its own good and i just like i think he's a he's a he's a genius i love following his tweets so i was looking at his tweets and it seems like he's a very literate person very hyperverbal i understand like 20 percent of what he was saying but my favorite thing about Twitter is that you get these really smart people who sometimes make these incredibly stupid jokes. Totally. And it cracks me up. Totally. So I highlighted this one tweet he made uh, in between his writing about literature and politics and identity. He said, no matter what it might do to my ratio, there is always room to follow one more hot girl on this app. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He just has this, like, the vibe is, like, Professor Off the Rails. Like, that is the vibe. Professor Off the Rails? Yeah. So, about that last tweet, there's this meme that I'm sure you know, uh, being thirsty on main, which is when you are flirting with someone or hitting on them on your main public social media account. So, real talk, is it okay to be thirsty on Twitter? Oh, my God. I mean, I was very blatantly thirsty. With, like, I definitely slid into his, his DMs and was like, <laughs> what's up? But I... I think, but people, on your on your public timeline, though, that this if this if this were not a character that he were doing, on your public timeline, you know, it's funny. I think about this all the time because this is definitely one of the privileges that I exercise as like 
a cis woman is I think it's really fun to talk about how hot other people look in a way that I think might be gross for like cis hat men to do. But honestly, it's a question I'm still I'm figuring out because I'll be really honest with you. You know, it's really hard being here in my apartment alone. Um, and like sometimes I wear an outfit and I want to feel cute and I want to feel the feeling of like being seen by others. But that's so not Twitter's vibe like Twitter. Well, I don't know. I'm on the fence about like, is Twitter a place where you tweet out selfies and you tweet out outfit shots? I do love to see. There's like a tipping point, right? Sometimes I love to see when people tweet pictures of themselves and it makes me really happy. And sometimes it's like oh, a little too much. Like, when are you going to come back with the with the cerebral substantive jokes? So I don't know. I'm still figuring out how thirsty or horny one should be on Twitter. But like a good friend of mine who I miss dearly, who still lives in Oakland, posts a lot of thirst trap pictures of herself and she always looks great. And she's always like in the beautiful golden California sunlight. And like, I live for that. That makes me really happy. So maybe I just have to get more comfortable with myself. But I think that's why I'm not an Instagram person. Yeah. Because I don't like, I don't, I'm like, I don't know how to. To perform in that way. How to, yeah. I'm an audio person. I'm not a visual person. I don't know how to translate this. Yeah. Oh, I totally hear that. I used to be on Instagram. I quit over the whole being afraid of Facebook thing. Sure. But I constantly have felt like Twitter is my people. Twitter is warts and all. Oh, yeah. You get some people posting selfies. You get some bragging. You get some obnoxious thought leadership people. But generally, it still feels less performative totally. than Instagram to me. No, it's for people. It's for radio face people like us, you know? It's Final Friday. All right, Avery, for your next follow, I asked you for someone who makes you think, and you suggested Drew Austin, who writes the email newsletter Kneeling Bus. Explain what this is about. Oh, my God. This newsletter is so brilliant. It's really, it's about urbanism and cities and the way we live. And also he applies this kind of internet lens to it. Like he'll take some sort of case study of gentrification or um, cybernetics or uh, surveillance or something that we're seeing in the physical world in um, our cities and our architecture and our buildings and our landscaping and then apply it as a metaphor to the internet. And he writes these gorgeous little uh, pithy few paragraph Summer, like you can just eat it out. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like some yeah. essay that's landed in your inbox. You're like, ah, I'll read this later. Like you just gobble it up right there, and it's so. He clearly thought about it. You know enough. It it it's so. It's like twice distilled wisdom. He's not wasting okay. your time. It's really really nice. Like, can I can I read you one? I just, yeah. I saved the latest one in my inbox because I was like, oh, this will be a great. Um, so th- th- this is an excerpt that we're publishing this a few weeks after we're taping it. This is from a December issue of Kneeling Bus by Drew yes. Austin. Kneeling Bus uh, number 146. This is from December 18th. What burns never returns. As this year limps across the finish line, it's a perfect time to revisit one of my favorite quotes from cybernetics pioneer Norbert Wiener. There are local and temporary islands of decreasing entropy in a world in which the entropy as a whole tends to increase. And the existence of these islands enables some of us to assert the existence of progress. The broad narrative about the pandemic is that it's been the worst year ever. And that is undeniably true in the aggregate, as well as for many individuals. But in reality, some people have had pretty decent years despite it all, or at least managed to tread water relative to those around them, even if everybody is certainly having less fun. This unevenness, more than anything else, 
makes 2020 a true microcosm of contemporary human experience. We largely inhabit our own islands, oblivious to how local and temporary they may be. Progress is a bit of an illusion, something that only exists for individuals and groups that are subsets of the overall population and rarely shared globally. As we expand our perspective outward towards all of human civilization, there is no such thing as progress, only survival. That's just paragraph one of three, but there's just like <laughs> meat, 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 meat on those bones. It's very. I good. assume paragraphs two and three. That's when he gets into being thirsty on Maine. Um, oh yeah, totally, no. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's where it devolves. The, the, this this is like um, I subscribe to a lot of email newsletters, but I don't think I really have the sophisticated attention span for 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 meaty distilled knowledge that seems like you do. I, I I'm the sort of person who subscribes to like here's a bunch of links to pictures of things I saw on Reddit. It's it's I'm I'm a very like low low class newsletter subscriber. <laughs> oh, interesting. No, I feel the opposite. I I think. I have some newsletters that are like, here are some links and like, here's some things I read and here's some things I watched. But that that overwhelms me. So I'm like, how am I going to yeah. get to all the things? Like, look how much this person read. And the thing I like about this newsletter is that it is the meat in and of itself. It's like, here's a full thought yeah. I had. And <laughs> this is the culmination of everything I've been thinking about. Not, you know, it's like a processed, finished product. Mm-hmm. It's not a bunch of raw material that I need to go check out so honestly the the linky newsletters overwhelm me and i like having this just it, it's it feels like a luxury that his brilliant thoughts are just served to me on a platter it's really i don't know i almost see it as as uh the opposite of having an attention span this to me feels easier than multiple links yeah kind of the happy medium between these two extremes so i get the new yorker i subscribe to their email newsletters sometimes i'll get an email from them with a headline that sounds really interesting to me i'll click through and then i'll realize oh no this is a proper new yorker article i do not have the time for this right now exactly so i feel like this is perfect it's like three you can read three paragraphs of like really smart distilled stuff and it's one thing like it's actually kind of it's for i don't have i don't have very good attention either but this is exactly my speed We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back in a minute with Avery Truffleman from The Cut. Imagine this. You're about to do the dishes, or get in the car, or stand in a really long line, and suddenly, oh no, you realize I don't know what podcast to listen to. Luckily, there's a cure. Listen to this podcast.com. Every time you visit listentothispodcast.com, it will recommend a really good podcast picked by a real person at random. You'll see what the show's about, how long the episodes usually are, and where to listen. And if that show is not for you, then just refresh the page, you'll get a new one. So stop deliberating and start listening at listentothispodcast.com. If you or your company wants to advertise on Follow Friday, visit followfridaypodcast.com slash advertise. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Avery Truffleman, I asked you for someone who inspires you, and you said Emma Coleman, who's on Instagram at meow underscore mix, and meow is spelled M-E-I-O-W, and you know Emma in real life, right? Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked in a in a long while, but um, I mean, we run into each other every now and then, I think, out in the world. But we we were family friends and we went to summer camp together. We were like kids together. And it's just so cool. I don't think she's necessarily a novel 
pick. I think a lot of people on Instagram know how cool she is, but I think I'm particularly tickled by how cool she is because I know she's always been that cool. And I think sometimes you run into old people you used to know on the internet and they've kind of like concocted these dreamy lives that don't resemble anything about who they are or anything you've known them to be. It's a performance, but it's really, I just love the way Emma uses Instagram because I know for a fact she is that cool, has always been that cool and creative since she was a child. (laughs) And I think her Instagram really gets, like whenever I look at her Instagram, I'm like, oh, maybe I should get on Instagram because it really, it's devoted to the art she makes, the things she's thinking about and the way she lives and the way she dresses, like all these things we're interested in when we look through someone's pictures. And she doesn't make it feel superficial at all. It all feels like a very pure and true expression of herself. And I think, you know, I love looking at the photographs of Georgia O'Keeffe by Alfred Stieglitz. And I've, I've always enjoyed looking at the pictures of the way an artist lives or dresses or, you know, whatever, the architectural digest tour of their home. And sometimes it feels frivolous and sometimes it really feels like part and parcel with their art and the way they live. And I think it feels that way with Emma. Like her, her she has a very cohesive world and it's really cool. It's yeah. really like inspiring to watch. So when I look at an Instagram page, I tend to gravitate towards whatever stands out in the grid of thumbnail images. Yeah. So I was looking at Emma's page, and she has this amazing, colorful, provocative art. But my eyes were drawn to a still frame of a video she posted several months ago, I think after her grandmother passed away. Uh, It's a still frame from a video of her grandmother talking to a friend about pasta. And so I click through to that. I look at the caption. And she wrote this one thing in the caption that really moved me. I just wanted to read an excerpt here. She says, I always loved how she would cut fruit. She would climb three flights of stairs with a push cart. She was so strong, taking care of everyone, making sure we were all okay. So just like three sentences, and that's such a lovely thing to say about someone. It reflects really well on Emma. Uh, And when I hear someone saying this sort of thing, it makes me think, oh, this is a good person who's paying attention to the nice things we do for each other. You know, it's so funny hearing you say that. Huh. Ooh, this is such an interesting, weird moment. Like, hearing you say that about her grandmother, I'm like, whoa, that's a little personal. I don't know if I want us to, like, talk about this on the podcast. That's kind of weird for me. But I'm like, oh, right, you don't know her. Right. And that information is just out there on the internet anyway. I don't know. It's one of these strange... Yeah. Strange things where... um Right. Her Instagram helps you feel like you really do know her and you, you're led into her world in an, in an interesting way. Sorry, I just want to... I Well, I feel like I trust her and I like her more as someone who doesn't know her in real life. These little glimpses into the artist's real life it helps me connect with them. Uh, but I also hear what you're saying. I think in a vacuum, a lot of us would not want to have this level of detail posted about our families without our say-so, but if if we're the ones posting it, I I guess it's okay. I can relate to your conflictedness here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, now I'm like, oh my God, what if her or her parents, like, hear me talking about her grandmother and we haven't spoken to her? You know what I mean? Like, it's interesting because the intimacy that you have with strangers on the internet feels normal now, whereas if you were talking about a childhood friend's, you know family matters yeah. I don't know it's like creates this weird sort of cognitive cognitive dissonance that's that's that is 
fascinating. I'm not telling you how to <laughs> run your show. I think this is like an interesting conversation, but it, it is it is fascinating how how personal yeah. her account is and how it lets people into that fold. And maybe it makes me feel like I know her more than I do because she's so good at Instagram, which maybe. is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's Final Friday. All right, we have time for one more pick today. Avery, I asked you for someone who is super talented but still under the radar. You wanted to bend the rules just a little bit to get this person in. Tell us about Sasami Ashworth. Okay, I don't think Sasami Ashworth is underrated. I think she's, like, very rated. I don't know. Her show, uh, one of the last live shows I went to before lockdown was at the chapel in San Francisco, and it was a show Sasami did, and it was packed. Like, she's got her loyal following. Um, But I still think she needs uh, more. More people need to know how great, great Sasami Ashworth is. Um, she's just this like incredibly hardworking, super talented musician who I got to know because um, she was referred to me to do the theme song for the limited series I made, Articles of Interest, and she did such an amazing bang up, bang up job. Totally made this like classic song that I adore, and I can't believe we got to use for uh, the series for Articles of Interest. This is The Pocket, The Piece of Paper, yeah. that song? Yeah. And so many people have written to me and they've been like, I've heard this song before. I know this song. I'm like, no, you haven't. It's, <laughs> like a, it's a totally original song, but it just hits something in your heart where it feels so familiar to you. And um, a lot of Sasami's music feels like that, where it just feels like um, it's strange and it's new and it's innovative, but it ha- still has this sort of uh, nostalgic je ne sais quoi that makes you feel really comfortable right away. And she had this uh, single called Mess that just reminds me of like classic old Sheryl Crow. <laughs> and there was this period, especially during when I was in lockdown in Oakland, where I was just listening to that song over and over and over again. It was just about like being messy, being high, like figuring things out, not knowing what was going on. And it's just like her, her songs are so good. They're so visceral and they're really helpful. I think they're like medicinal. So... She definitely has a following, but more people should join the following. <laughs> you told me over email that uh, uh, she writes future karaoke classics, and I didn't totally oh, yeah. understand what you meant until you said, oh, it's it's like classic Sheryl Crow. And it's like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> yeah, like when I heard her album, I was like, oh, man, I wish I could go to my local dive bar and they would have Sasami songs. They just yeah. make you want to like emote in a, and sing along in a very public way. So in the absence of Sasami songs, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, Darling by the Beatles, Good which pick. is my least favorite Beatles song, but it is the most dramatic karaoke, Good for karaoke. song. Like, definitely. And I'm so practiced at it now. Like, <laughs> you can really yell. You can kind of croon the first part. You can yell the second part. You can get down on your knee. Like, that's my song. What's your song? So I've only done karaoke twice in my what? life. I know, I know. And my friends had to drag me to do it. The, the, the one I remember singing was Sister Golden Hair by America. And I forget what the other one was, but I, I don't have the confidence to belt Oh Darling. I go for soft rock, easy to sing. I can talk sing my way through this if I have to. Oh, see, I rely on the performance to distract from the from the lack of skill, I think <laughs> that to me is my favorite part of karaoke. You're like Batman, theatricality like. and deception. Yeah. <laughs> to- yes, 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 yes. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Which is like, I think, why we. I don't know. It's why I go to karaoke. Like, if yeah. I wanted to hear someone actually sing well, I would pay a professional. But I want to see. You know, it's almost like interviewing 
The old trope in interviewing is if you give a story, you'll get a story. And mm -hmm. I feel like if you give a good performance in karaoke, you can help encourage other people to give a good performance. And I genuinely like to watch other people ham it up. Well, I was once in Las Vegas for a friend's birthday party. And we went to a bar where they had karaoke. And it was sort of like the train wreck that you pray will not happen to you. I saw a guy get up and do Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon. And oh, oh no. no. I still remember the whole body cringe of watching him get through this song. And I mean, I know that if I were to get up in front of my friends, even if I were really bad, it probably wouldn't be that bad. But just experiencing the worst case scenario from the audience perspective, that scarred me a little bit. I, that terrify, terrifies yep. me. Yep. I don't know. I feel like the only time I've done karaoke has been in like tiny bars, tiny grungy bars with friends. Uh, that's the place to do it. And I feel like one, once upon a time, I was in Nashville and I was like, oh, let me go to this karaoke bar and like see what's up there. But no, that was like a real, everyone, everyone in Nashville can sing really well. <laughs> and that was not my jam. So I like to, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. I mean, I haven't been, had a chance to go to karaoke bars in New York. It might be the same situation here where everyone in New York is low-key like an amazing professional singer and I'm just out of my league. All right, Avery. Before we go, let's make sure the listeners know where to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? I'm only on Twitter. And my, I am at Truffleman, T-R-U-F-E-L-M-A-N. It's not spelled like the chocolate, unfortunately. <laughs> everyone's life a whole lot easier. <laughs> it's just not... Thank you, Avery. You can find me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. You can find a transcript of this episode, links, pictures, and more at followfridaypodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at followfridaypod. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodi Hermawan. Special thanks to Catherine Chang. Today's show was produced by Bumblecast. You can hire us to help you start a podcast or make your existing podcast better. We work with creators of all backgrounds and experience levels. Learn more at bumblecast.fm. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday. <laughs>